Alaska's newsmakers. Action Line, K-I-N-Y. Welcome to Action Line. Ken Smith with Wade Bryson, Assembly Member of Juno and the host of Problem Corner sitting in today. How are you? I'm doing great, Ken. I am so honored to be here. My first time being interviewed by you on Action Line. This is a monumental moment for me. <laughs> so, uh, hey, we were talking just before we went on the air about the uh, inauguration today with the governor. The fill governor's us in, fill us in. Inaugur- inaugural ball. Um, we do it when we get a uh, re-elected or a new governor. And uh, Gosh, I want to say the last one I went to was Sean Parnell's when they had a big party in uh, Centennial Hall. Um, so I'm looking forward to uh, attending tonight. And it's been a little while since, since I've been to an inaugural celebration. Six o'clock at the Elizabeth Paradovich Hall. I want to say tickets were 100 bucks a pop. Oh, you got to pay $100? Well, it's a celebration. we got to pay for something. Well, I won't be attending. No, right. I thought it was a... Don't party. you have a press pass? The yeah. press pass is good as $100. Is it? It might be. All right, I'll try. Right, there you go. Got to dress up in a, a suit and everything. We, we did just discuss Alaskan uh, fashion and Alaskan dress codes, and um, uh, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where to get ties. Not sold out? Uh, I don't know that status. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I do know that the governor is speaking next week at the Bernoff for the chamber luncheon, and that's usually... Uh, a pretty uh, well-attended event, too, if anybody's wanting to catch up with what the governor's got going on at the beginning of the session. I had him on the show on Wednesday. He was on Action Line. And um, what was that? Tuesday? Yeah, Wednesday. And um, I, was, I, I forgot to ask him, uh, is, so is he living in the mansion now? Is that what he is? I'm sure when he's in town, he's staying in the mansion, yeah. I wanted to ask that question. Like, uh, I wonder if uh, like he invites people over for uh, governor dinners and stuff. Um, I've heard that they've done a few <laughs> events like that. I do know that that second floor is just absolutely off limits. In the mansion? In the mansion. So they do one or two events throughout the year where citizens can go into the first floor of the governor's mansion, but the second floor and above is absolutely off limits. Well, that's probably public. where his bedrooms are. That's where his stuff very is. Personal. Yeah. That's right. It's one thing to, to, to lead something, but to allow everybody into your home, too. Uh, we learned that during Zoom. I mean, we Zoomed from our bedrooms, and I was next to my bed, and my nightstand was in the background, and uh, it's just a more personal world. So the assembly had their first meeting. I had some a couple of stories that I pulled from that meeting, and uh, one was the gondola story that's. Uh, looks like it's going to be built. The yes. funding's there. Well, the assembly approved ten million. Tell me how that works. Okay. So I actually was the assembly member that brought the ordinance to the assembly uh, on behalf of the Eagle Crest Board. And it, it was a rocky road to get everybody to understand. But what Eagle Crest was facing was diminishing returns year after year. Um, we'd had fortunate good snow years, which keeps you know ticket sales up. But Eagle Crest was trying to figure out how they would stay in operations forever because they were continuing to decline. Um, going down, once they got below 70 ski days in a season, um, it almost becomes non-sustainable. And so the gondola, as I was part of the Eagle Crest Summer Task Force, that was one of the things we were looking at. And our price tag when we were talking about it on the task force was well over $20 million. It was going to take miracles to get a gondola. And then 
you know, a year and a half later, they're like, oh, wait a second, here's a used gondola for two million bucks. Pennies on the dollar of what you guys were talking about. It only made sense to get it for the future of Eagle Crest. Not everybody understood that at first. And so uh, the gondola barely got past uh, the $2 million funds to pay for it. I think it was a 5-4 split. But once we got it, got it on its way, we figured out how to ship it here, and we have this. And uh, the local gondola operators, Gold Belt, who already have the tram downtown, for them to get involved made so much sense. So now... The city's working with the existing tram so that they can, um, the downtown tram is going to be more cultural. Uh, when you get out to the Eagle Crest gondola, it's going to be more adventure. And you have this one entity that is the expert in the gondola field here in Juneau is partnered up with us. They're the best partner to have. And we've got a win-win situation. We're going to be able to improve Eagle Crest finances. At the same time, we were able to give a um, a business opportunity to one of our local uh, tribal shareholder groups or tribal corporations. I mean, it's win-win-win all the way around by doing the gondola in the way that we did it. Mm-hmm. And I say that as a, as a business guy that's been doing business in Juneau for 20 years. Why did the assembly have to get involved in the first place? I mean, they had to well, two million it. bucks. Anytime you're spending money, um, the assembly does put their signature on uh, appropriations like that. We normally do most of those during the budget cycle, but throughout the year, uh, supplemental appropriations, I think is the term they use, those come up maybe a handful of times through the year. We try to avoid that. So when a, a supp- somebody like uh, maybe childcare asks for additional funds, we then encourage, okay, get this under this time period so that it can be part of the budget. We don't want to be uh, altering the budget throughout the year. We try to avoid that. And is this a pretty much a done deal then? I mean, this gondola yeah, is going we, to be built. Yeah. Uh, we uh, approved the uh, agreement between Eagle Crest and Gold Belt. And so now that funding is available... Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they've already started working on the access road that it'll be one of the first things that need to get built. Mm. They were doing studies, geological, ground sampling. They're trying to put, find the best location uh, for each one of the towers. How many towers do they have to put up? Ooh, I should know that answer. I want to say 12, but it might only be 10. And I could be, and I'm, I'm guessing here. What would be the elevation at the top when it reaches? Uh, I don't know that answer either. I don't think they know the answer. Um, the one nice thing that they do know is that this is going to open up more of the mountain. They're going in a, a different direction. They're going up the, uh, I think that side's called the West Bowl. And uh, it's going to give access, uh, skiing access to areas that only experts would be able to get around to. You'd have to hike now to be able to ski some of those areas. So it'll open up new skiing areas. Uh, but then it also opens up new adventure areas. And one of the conversations that um, is happening right now is how do we separate it? How do we have like a commercial tourism section of Eagle Crest? And how do we separate that and have just a residential component of Eagle Crest that, that we don't part- have tours participating on? So I think that's a really good idea. And the timeline to complete the construction and have it operational? 
yesterday. No, um, I think that if uh, they're doing, if they're being able to conduct operations in 24, they'll have done a great job. Uh, either the the spring of 24, or the fall of 24, two yeah. summers from now. Okay. Yeah, uh, I don't think that it'll be done this summer. I think it'll take into. Uh, somewhere around no way could it be done by this summer 12 towers yeah if you had the private sector involved then yeah (laughs) that's just the difference between um i don't know i've never built a gondola i mean they gotta ship the the towers no no no. we have everything everything's Everything's here? here yeah so that's what happened over the last year is we went through the agreement of purchasing it and then uh shipping it and oh so that's where a lot of the discussions started was how do we buy it and how do we get it here we didn't even begin the 10 million dollar discussion uh, details until it was actually here and we had something to discuss i don't think gold belt was involved until it was almost here okay then it, that'll speed things up yeah to have it here <laughs> is definitely going to speed things up interesting big project you know but it's a great project it's not only a local project so it's going to be people working and at least staying in juno during that time period contributing to the local economy and then once it's operational it's going to provide more sales tax um off of the ticket sales it's going to provide eagle crest a better financial stability so that way um eagle crest doesn't have to take as large of a subsidy from the city so by building this will reduce the burden that the citizens have to keep eagle crest open i think that's the the best outcome that we can get from this alieska resort is the only other place in the state that has a gondola in girdwood and it's a great way to explore the mountain in the summer they have mountain biking going down hiking oh yeah see that's what we were discovering is that um most ski resorts are privately owned and there's no government subsidy you either make profit or you close the resort those are the only options in the private sector and so the private sector discovered a while ago that summer operations were key to keeping your ski resort profitable because instead of only being able to operate you know, during four months of the year, you can have summer operations and operate all year round. And that just makes so much more uh, sense. And, and that way, the other thing that this is going to benefit, the the people that do ski in the community, there won't be so much pressure to raise the ticket price because of, you know, if we're reducing the subsidy that the city's given to Eagle Crest and the ticket prices at current value are working, then they stay that way. So I think this will prevent ticket prices from rising in the same way that they would had we not done this. I'm going to give my entrepreneurial, uh, entrepreneurial image, uh, vision here. Okay. We build a beautiful restaurant where the gondola exits at the top. Yeah, that's actually one of the ideas. I don't know. They have one in Alaska, Seven Glaciers. Oh, we have it on. We have it our at the downtown tram. There's well, a restaurant. We at the need top. one at Eagle Crest. The Eagle Crest Dining Hall, or you know, beautiful windows with a picturesque view, a nice bar with made out of ice. That's not a bad idea, but I think the direction that is more likely is you'll get to the top of the gondola and you'll have a mountain coaster. Uh, line that you can get in you'll have a uh, mountain bike downhill line that you can get in maybe you have a set of trails i see the eagle crest is a 
allowing for uh, more adventure style products. We still have the adventure in a nice restaurant too. Yeah. Um, the one thing I'm, that I'm thinking of the over fifty crowd here, or even over forty. You know, we want to go up there and enjoy a glass of wine and some appetizers and a nice fine dining uh, experience and look at the picturesque panoramic view that hey, it offers us i'm with you it's not a bad <laughs> that would probably be one of the nicest views of a restaurant on the planet but as a restaurant guy i know that the every time you have to touch the the freight to get it to your shop um which would be a handful more touches to get product up to the top of a mountain through a tram you increase the price every single time and so well if they can do it at alieska resort they certainly can do it at eagle crest well if we had a uh, the number of people would make the difference i mean if if you have the volume up there then yeah you can cater to that build it and they they will will come come. yes sir (laughs) i did actually say that earlier All right, when we come back, Wade Bryce and Assembly members, we're going to talk about trash. Trash. I'm the Assembly Trash Talker, no doubt about that. Trash Talking next on Action Line. Action Line continues. K-I-N-Y. Welcome back to Action Line. It is Ken Smith with Wade Bryson, Assembly member, businessman, entrepreneur, and uh, trash expert. Trash expert, yes. That is my latest... Like new skill to learn is all the what what's the most effective way to dispose of stuff in Juno? What's the way that you can be uh, most uh, environmentally uh, sustainable in disposing of stuff in Juno? Um, I have a couple of businesses. One produces tremendous amounts of trash. The other one produces even more trash. Um, we talked about a bike shop that I have, and we've gotten the trash from bikes that get shipped into town down to i could probably do 100 bikes and fit all of the trash in one bag i mean we just recycle and upcycle everything that comes in and then that leads us to our next largest topic that we're trying to solve right now composting now composting is tricky um we have a company in town that is catering to the home composters so people that are trying to keep stuff out of their trash Um, but the key to making composting working that really is a solution to our trash problem we have to get into commercial composting and that's a complicated topic and uh, we literally just got two and a half million dollars and we're trying to figure out how do we make composting as easy as can be for the city of Juneau, and it's part of our zero waste strategy. If you don't put cardboard into the dump, and then we don't put uh, food waste into the dump, and then maybe the next thing we probably are going to hear that we're not going to be able to put in there is drywall. And so, if, as you start eliminating things from going into the dump, you extend the life of our dump. So, here's what's happened we, big things coming up the dump minimum, minimum charge. That's the latest thing that's starting at the beginning of February. We're going to have a conversation about it on Monday at the Public Works and Facilities. Um, And rule of unintended consequences, as we get closer to the end of life of that dump, less and less space will be available. And the rule of supply and demand is the less space we have available in the dump, the higher the price is going to be. Um, this price bump came a little bit faster than I might have suspected, but I knew it was going to come eventually. 
What is the price? Uh, I did an article. We we did a news story on it, but um, so they used to have a they, minimum. We didn't get the the exact numbers. Of- well, I can come within a couple of dollars. I think um, right now, before February first, I have a six foot pickup bed that I can load as high as I can. Um, wouldn't matter the weight. Like I could put to where this truck couldn't even hardly roll in and it would cost me $49 48 and change or something like that um that was their minimum charge for a six foot bed they're now going to a minimum weight so if you had anything other than a six foot bed when you came in they weighed your vehicle with the trash before you went in and then they weighed you after you dumped all your trash and then they charged you it was around 11 cents for just like every you and i 11 cents a pound i think this new rate the minimum is a thousand pounds and the rate's 12 cents a pound um so the new minimum is going to be 120 dollars even if i have a six foot bed or if i have an eight foot bed or if i show up with a trailer if I'm not hitting a thousand pounds, I'm paying that minimum of $120 plus tax. And that is the very conversation that we're going to find out about on this Monday's public works and facility meeting. And that change from the earlier, from the rate that exists it's right now, now is yeah. 48 and change, 48.56 or 51. It's just under 49 bucks if you have a six foot bed. But that's less. going to change to a min. That, that would be the, the minimum. That's the minimum right now, yeah. And that minimum is going to change to 120 no matter yep. what, starting yep. February 1st. Yes. Because we're, we just have less space. It's what's the reaction is going to be. Um, so we're trying to take focus on to how do we, we have funding to increase composting capabilities. Um, we're trying to figure out how can we encourage and make it easier to recycle um, the assembly uh we had Public Works take a look at what level of incineration was available. And, uh, man, we just didn't get good answers on that. Um, as we, the trash problem gets larger and larger, a few years go by, I think that we should probably explore incineration again. I think incineration would be a solution for not only Juno, uh, Juno's trash problem, but right now Skagway has to ship their trash, and they ship it down south. Well, if we had an incinerator, you could ship your trash over to Juneau and we could just burn your trash for you. It'd be a lot cheaper for other southeast Alaskan cities. Incinerators create a lot of smoke. That's where the problem is. So to have the proper filtration, it takes a tremendous amount of energy. And so it's, again, as the problem is not simple, the solutions aren't simple either. How much left in the lifespan of the dump? Uh, a little less than 20 years probably in the 18 i forgot they they know because the nice thing about our dump is that it has a very consistent weight turned in every year so we've been at thirty-three thousand tons give or take a a few hundred tons uh, for years all right so that i would i didn't think it was that long of a period to have a active dump 20 years that's pretty long out how long has it been there the current location oh oops sorry go ahead that location uh, actually was picked prior to the valley being built so when the dump was built i want to say in the 50s 
the that was the edge of town. So they put the dump what they thought would be out of town, and then as Juno grew, um, it ended up being in the center. We had an incinerator until about oh a handful of years ago. I don't know the specific date that the incinerator went down, and when the incinerator stopped operations. They said, we have 30 years left, and they've been counting down uh, ever since. When we were at the 25 years, they said, yep, we still have 25 years left. Um, and again, they know how much is coming in every year, so they're able to give pretty good estimations on that. It's keeping things out of the dump is what our solution is for the dump. When you're talking about composting, I remember when I was a kid, I grew up in Boston, and yeah, everybody had small yards, if, yep. you, if you had a yard. And we had a a, tra- a garbage can that was in the ground. Yep. And that was, we put the garbage in there, and it was it was a composting yeah. system, very basic. But People have been composting for years. So people could also take initiative and put their own composting barrel in the ground. And not a bad and, idea. Um, one of know, the issues push for that, like an you know an initiative to get people to compost. Yes, um, we do run into the issue of trash bears. Oh yeah, right. Which right. Does but if it's in the ground, the one in Boston had a, a heavy metal lid that went over that clamped over the top. Not a bad idea. Um, heavy to us is not to a bear. So yeah. Um, Probably but, a bad idea now that I think about it. Um, <laughs> in Boston, no bears. No bears. Um, it's definitely the right direction because here's the other component. If we're able to effectively compost, well, that produces uh, dirt material and growth material, and they use uh, other cities that have composting systems then use that product to, like, line highways with and you know, f- fill out the back of a baseball field. So it, it's not, I mean, it's a good thing to compost our waste instead of uh, just putting everything into the trash. But it's way tougher to do that. And there's costs and expense related to trying to compost. So it's not as simple as just saying, yep, we're going to compost. You have to have like the whole plan in place. And that's where we're running into the sticky wicket. Mm hmm. Excellent. Well, good conversation. Thank you, Wade. Can any time. <laughs> Wade Bryson, assembly member and host of Problem Corner, which is coming up next right after ABC News.